You are listening to the Journey Christian Church Podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at journeycc.net. Today's message is brought to you by Scott McFarland. We hope you enjoy. Hey, good morning. Been a good morning so far, wouldn't you say? Great worship and baptisms, all of you here. And I hear there's some um, event going on today. You guys know what that is? Okay. Are you allowed to say that in San Francisco 49er land? I don't know. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but since I'm from Ohio, I think I'm allowed. You know what you call 50 men who are watching a football game together on Super Bowl Sunday? The Cleveland Browns. You know why the Chinese are not watching Super Bowls today? Because their unidentified blimp got shot down by the United States. No, I'm just kidding. I'm allowed to say it? Come on. All right. Hey, uh, we are finishing that. We're continuing on our series in the book of Genesis. We've been starting from the beginning of the scriptures, the first book of the Bible. You can grab your Bibles. If you need one, there's free ones in the back. I'd love for you to have one. And my second favorite sound is you opening your scriptures to study together. My first favorite sound, you saw six of them, is the splash of new life coming into Christ. And uh, we are going to dig into Genesis chapter 14 today, talking about blessing. And I thought, because Valentine's Day is two days away, I I thought I'd start with a story. Jenny was watching the Super Bowl a few years ago uh, at her boyfriend Max's house. And of course, she kind of fell asleep watching the game because it really didn't interest her. And she's laying there taking a quick nap. She wakes up from her nap and she turns to Max and says, Max, you're not going to believe this. I just had this crazy dream. I dreamed that on Valentine's Day, you gave me this beautiful jewelry. What do you think it means? Max says, well, that's interesting. I guess we'll wait to find out on Valentine's Day. So then the next night she goes home and she's sleeping. She wakes up the next morning. She calls Max right away. Max, you're not going to believe this. I had a different dream last night. I dreamed on Valentine's Day you gave me a diamond ring. What do you think it means? Max says, I don't know. I guess we'll have to wait till Valentine's Day to find out. So on Valentine's Day, Max takes Jenny out to dinner and they have this beautiful, wonderful dinner. And at the end of the dinner, he pulls out this little box wrapped box and gives it to Jenny. And Jenny is so excited. She's thinking, yes, my dreams are going to come true. And she opens up the box and she sees inside a little mini book that says, The Meaning of Dreams. Jenny and Max are no longer dating. (laughs) But today we're going to dig into the meaning of blessing. How many of you in this room, watching online, you can chat with this. How many of you want God to bless you? If you all didn't raise your hand, I'd be shocked. Many of us, all of us, want God's blessing. Few of us understand what his blessing means. And today we're going to find that out in Genesis chapter 14. Now let me set up what's happening. You can turn with me, find it in the scripture, a few pages in from the front of your Bible. Genesis 14, pull it up on your electronic device. We're going to start at verse 14. Let me tell you about the first 13 verses. 
you as Americans can appreciate a little bit about what's happening in these first 13 verses because there's these two sections of the country that eventually will become Israel. It's it's, uh, owned by the Canaanites, different tribes, and each of these tribes, these like large family units or groups of people that are living in certain areas, they have a king. And the kings would have been much like a mayor of a town or a military leader of a family. They would reside over that section, that area, as the rulers of that area. There was five kings in the southern part of Israel at that time. And then there's four kings in the northern part. And the northern were profiting off of the south. They'd go down and raid them, get resources when they needed it, capture from them things they needed for the north, and then they would take it back up to the north. Well, eventually the southern king said, we're tired of this. And so they decided to go to war with the north. In effect, a civil war in Canaan, north against the south. Does that sound familiar to you at all? The South won in this case. I'm sorry, the South lost in this case, and the North won. And so the North raids the South, takes all of their resources, everything they have, including a guy by the name of Lot and his family, who is the nephew of Abram, Abraham, as you may know him, takes it all back to the northern part of this Canaan land in a town called Dan. Now, it's not called Dan yet called Laish, but it's going to be the place where the tribe of Dan will eventually have the land that they possess. So that's why it's called that in the scripture, because the grandson of Abram will be Dan, great-grandson. And then we pick it up at verse 14. Now, just realize, listen, before you get there, if you read the previous chapters, Lot chose where to live. Lot made his decision and told Abram, you go this way, I'm taking this great place to live. He chose to live in Sodom. He chose to live in this area. He's captured because of his association with all of those people. And Abram could have said, tough break. Got to learn our lessons the hard way. He put himself in that situation. He needs to figure this out. I'm not capable of rescuing him. But that's not what Abram said. Here's how it starts. Verse 14. When Abram heard that his relative had been taken captive, he called out all 318 trained men born in his household and went in pursuit as far as Dan, all the way to the north with the people that he had in his tribe. During the night, Abram divided his men to attack them and he routed all four of those kings pursuing them as far as Hobah, north of Damascus. And he recovered all the goods and brought back his relative Lot and his possessions together with the women and all the other people. Now just pause right there for a second. Do you realize what Abram just did? Abram was given a promise. He was going to be the father of a nation. He has not had a son yet. He's getting older and older all the time. He's getting close to 90, 100 years old at this point. And yet he risks his own promise in order to go after his nephew. You ever been in a situation where you felt like you had to risk everything in your own life to help reach and support somebody else in theirs? You ever felt like, man, 
Why do I have to be my brother's keeper? Why do I have to take care of my family member? Why am I going through all of this heartache? Why do I have to deal with all this struggle? Their problem, their issue, their situation, they need to fix it. But Abram cared about his family. Abram risked his own inheritance. Abram demonstrated a faith in God and a love for his fellow man that he went with 318 men when five kings and their whole armies could not win. He went with 318 men and he attacked and he won. And listen, he didn't lose a single person in his own family, his own tribe. See, if if you pause right there, you realize that's demonstrating what Jesus did for you. He risked everything to rescue you. He gave up heaven and eternity to come for you. He came alone to die for you. He did in a bigger scale what Abram did for his nephew. I got a little picture to put on the screen for you. This is from our last Israel trip, a place that's up in this area called Dan. It is the fortress that existed at the time of Abram, and you can tell this archaeologically because there's sandstone for bricks, the only place, as far as I know, in the entire world that has an archaeological dig that is made up of sand bricks. And they found this and have covered it and preserved it. Why? Because it is the first artifact, first location ever discovered that matches the story of Genesis. It goes back to Genesis 14. If you wonder if the Bible is true, if you wonder if the story is accurate, all you got to do is join me on a trip to Israel and I'll show you the spot where Abraham defeated the armies of the north to bring back his nephew. I stood in that spot. There's lots of reasons why that's so important, but I stood in that spot with our team the last time and thanked God for the faith of Abram to show us all the grace of Jesus. That spot tells the world we have a rescuer, just as Abram was for Lot. Story goes on. He comes back. He goes, listen, he goes to a place called Salem in a valley in verse, thir- uh, excuse me, verse 17, in the valley of Shiva. You know this as the King's Valley, or better known today in Jerusalem as the Kindred Valley. Hold on to that for a second. Look with me at verse 18. Then Melchizedek, I love that name. Say that with me. Melchizedek. Oh, you guys can do way better than that. Try it together. One, two, three. Very good. Important character in the Old Testament, even though we have no history of where he came from or what happened to him after this passage crucial piece of information, Melchizedek, the king of this area called Salem, we now call it Jerusalem, brings out bread and wine. He was the priest also of God Most High. Hold on to that for a second. And he, here's the word, blessed Abram. He blessed him. Here's what he said. Blessed be Abram. 
by God Most High, Creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hands. Now that's an interesting blessing, interesting article, and I just want you to see how incredibly forecasting this little passage of Scripture really is. First of all, we got this king who's also a priest. It's only happened twice in all of history where there's a king who's the leader of a land that's also the permanent high priest of the land. Most of the time in the Old Testament, they are always separated. There's only two other conditions where they were even together, three maybe, that you could add to David when he was bringing the ark into the town. He would have been king and priest in that event. Samuel was king or over the land as well as priest of the land for a short period of time. And Moses would have been considered the king priest when he rescued Israel out of Egypt. But never, except for this moment, and later on with Jesus, we have a king who's also functioning as the high priest for all the people. This Melchizedek is also interesting because a king comes out to serve a person. Now, think about that. Would you expect the king to come serve somebody out in a field? Would you expect the king to bring the food? Would you expect the president of the United States to walk up to your door, knock on your door today and say, hey, I hear you're having a Super Bowl party. Let me come in and help you. What would you like? I'll be glad to serve you food today. You never get that, right? Anybody there? Anybody? But yet this king comes to serve Abram. Ding, 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 ding. Gospel in Genesis. Because there's another king down the road who's a high priest who came to serve and not be served. He came to serve you and I. And then you got the guy bringing out bread and wine. Now, those are common food for everybody to eat, but this is the first time you see worship through the giving of bread and wine. It will happen again. Many years later, in the, in the area of Egypt, when all of the Israelites are told, go in, have this meal, I want you to eat unleavened bread, I want you to drink wine, I want you to take a lamb and sacrifice it, put the blood of the lamb over your doorpost, and that will protect your firstborn from ever dying as I send the angel of death. That, that bread and wine represented the meal where God rescued the people of Israel. And right after that, that night, they're escorted out of town to go to the promised land. And you know this because you just practiced it. There's another time where bread and wine became very important. Where Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and took the wine and said, I know you guys think of this as Passover, the rescuing of Israel. I want to tell you something. This is no longer just about Israel. This is about everybody. And this is my body laid down to rescue you. And this is the blood of the new covenant that covers you with holiness so you can stand before me in eternity. And it's done to save you. And never since, every time we practice communion, you are remembering that you're rescued by the bread and by the cup. Come on, you guys, I'd be saying hallelujah for that. 
Do you realize that goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 14? Do you see how in the story here that God sets up at the very beginning of creation, he's forecasting things are going to happen down the road to show us once again he still loves you and he's here to rescue you. And Melchizedek sets that standard without even knowing it maybe that Jesus will someday come and fulfill what Melchizedek did for Abram. There's some other things about this. You're in the Kindred Valley. Do you know what's in the Kindred Valley? It's called the City of David later on in the Old Testament. It's the place that comes around the Temple Mount that now exists. It wasn't there before. It was just a big field. And around the other side of that, the Kindred Valley would have been the place where the Last Supper took place. And then down the valley on the other side is the place where Jesus would go into the Garden of Gethsemane and cry out, God, if it's your will, take this from me. And then up into the Temple Mount and beyond, he would have been crucified on a spot that all was part of where Abram was receiving this blessing. He says, Abram, I want to bless you. And here's what I want to do to bless you. I don't want to just give something to you. I want to change the world through you. See, most of us want blessed. Come on. If you want blessed, say amen. But most of us think of blessing as something we receive, not something God does through us. That's why I brought you roses today. I was going to buy you all roses, a rose to take home, and then I saw how much they cost. I said, there's no stinking way. So I'm just going to take symbolically one rose, and I'll give the rest to my wife, Diana. And just a reminder, Valentine's Day, two days away, get your chocolate, get your roses, get your card, spend your $150 for those three items. Show somebody you love them. Rose is a very interesting object lesson. It's a demonstration of blessing. Now, <laughs> some of you are hoping for roses. Maybe some of you are hoping for a little diamond jewelry like Jenny was in my first story. When you think of blessing and you see a rose, what do you think the blessing is? Flower? Somebody said the thorn. You're way ahead. Slow down. Most of us, when we receive roses, the first thing we look at is the bloom. Come on. Great way to save money on Valentine's Day. Give your loved one just the stems. No bloom. That'll for sure say, I love you so much I gave you roses. No. When you give people flowers, it's the bloom that attracts you. It's the bloom that is the evidence of blessing. Yes? But there's two other parts to the rose. There's the stem, and yes, there's thorns that create these little leaves and then future stems. And I, I want you to see that you can't have the bloom without the stem. If I want the bloom, I've got to have a stem. And you can't have a stem without a thorn. 
because the thorn is what grows into the stem that creates the bloom. Now listen carefully. For Abram that day and for Lot, they were experiencing thorns. Lot gets captured in a place that he really wasn't even wanting to be a part of. He's just living there. But he and his family get dragged off up into the northern area and are experiencing a thorn of being under captivity and enslaved and struggling. And it's the thorn in his life that calls Abram into action. Abram responds to the thorn and becomes the stem to rescue his nephew. Listen carefully to me. That thorn you're going through right now is God's mechanism for creating a blessing. That struggle you're having with health, that pain you're having in your family, that hurt you're feeling in your marriage, that concern you have for a loved one, a child, the loss you feel when tragedy strikes, it's a thorn. And your choice is whether you're just going to cut it off or you're going to let God grow a stem through it. Because you've got to have the stem to create the bloom. Amen? That's what Lot and Abram were showing all of us in this story. They were letting God use a thorn that happened in their life to create this blessing. And Abram is receiving the words of blessing to be used later to pass through the generations after him. Blessing is never for you to hold on to you. It's always for you to pass on. When God blesses your life, it's for somebody else too. Are you hearing me? You live in America that thinks that blessing is about what I grow and gain for myself. That's a lie from the pit. Blessing is about God giving you so it can pass through you for, to people for generations to come. And the way he does that is through the thorns. You know that's true. Israel would have to go through 400 years of captivity in Egypt before God would rescue them to establish the promised land. You know that's true because David would have this great kingdom and that would fall apart and they'd go all the way through to the point of exile for God to create this silent period where he could bring the Messiah once and for all and save the world from their sin. And you know that's true because here we are living in the most blessed nation in the world and yet we're still struggling with lots of thorns. Why? Because if God's going to bless America, it's got to go through America, not just to America. If God's going to bless your marriage, it's got to go through your marriage to your family, to your kids, to, your, to the people in your neighborhood, to the people of your community and beyond. It can't just stop at your marriage. If God's going to bless your kids, get this, parents, you got to let them experience the thorns. So they can grow into stems and become the blooms that blesses people around them and beyond. So don't get rid of the thorn. 
Because the word blessing means to grow by what God gives. The word is I can't roll my R's like many of you can, but it's a real harsh sound. And the idea of that word in Hebrew was to bow before. Notice what, notice the blessing that was given to Abram here. To bow before. God bless you. Abram, he's going to pour things into your life that are going to pass through you for generations to come. This isn't about you, Abram. You're just the vessel that God is going to use to bless the world. And oh, by the way, bow before. And you will be a blessing to the Lord. How do you bless the Lord? How do you bless the person that has everything? What, what do you do? What do you give the person that owns it all? Well, there's only one thing you have to give him. You saw six people do it today. You surrender your heart. You offer your praise. You grant him your worship. Because it's the only thing you own that he doesn't have. You are to be a blessing, Abram. God's going to pour through you to others. And he's going to gain glory through you for himself. When you're asking for blessing, you're asking God to use you, not just give you. So expect thorns when you ask for blessing. Ooh, that might change your prayer life. Notice what happens next. Abram, verse 20, second part of the verse. What does Abram do? Oh, thank you, Melchizedek. Hey, great job. Thanks, Melchizedek. Here, here, everything is great. I'm going to hold on to this stuff for myself because, you know, this is all about me and I gained from what I did. And I, we were the ones that risked our lives. We deserve something out of this. No, that's not what Abram did. Abram took a tenth. The Hebrew word is tithe. And said, Melchizedek, because this is from the Lord, I'm going to give you this portion. It's not because Melchizedek deserved it, but because he was the high priest to the Lord, I'm going to give through you to bless the Lord's kingdom. That's where we get the idea of giving a portion to the Lord. Way back in Genesis, long before Mount Sinai and the Ten Commandments, long before the Israeli Israel practice and the Hebrew practice where giving was given to the temple. This was something that revealed the heart behind the person. And he gave a tenth. Now, just It was a priority. It was a first fruit. It was a portion. It was free will. This isn't obligation or demand. This is his expression to Melchizedek about his love for the Lord. It was an act of faith. And it was credited to Abram as righteousness. Two things happen as a result of that. Number one, the king of Sodom, where Lot was from, 
says, oh, you can, I'll do better than, you know, you can keep all the stuff you got from that battle. You can have it all, Abram. I'll just take the people. Here's what he was saying. You give me the people, you can have my stuff temporarily, but sooner or later, I'm going to get it all back. Because if I got the people, I got an army. And once I get an army that's hungry, that needs stuff, that feels robbed, they will come get your stuff and a whole lot more. It was a total manipulation. And Abram says, I don't want anything to do with you. Listen, people. There comes a moment in your life where you got to say, I don't want anything to do with this world stuff. I want everything to do with what God has for me. You got to make that choice. Do I want to be part of the kingdom of Salem or the kingdom of Sodom? Talk more about that next week. You got to make that choice, and Abram did. But then, read ahead. Chapter 15, first couple verses. You know what happens next? Abram gives this tithe, this offering on behalf of himself to the Lord. God turns around and said, oh, you can't outgive me, Abram. I'm going to bless you even more. I'm going to pour more into you. I'm going to be your very great shield. No one will touch you. No more injuries. No more pain. No more thorns. I'm going to cover it. And I will be your great reward because you figured it out. Because blessing is not about you. Blessing is God passing through you. Which goes back to my rose. You know what the blessing is? Is it the bloom? Or the stem or the thorns? Come here, Natalia. Come here. You know what the blessing is? It's the giver. You can keep that. God of the universe has no need to give anything to us. But he chooses to pour out his blessing. He's the blesser. Some lessons on blessing I want you to pull away from this. Number one, blessings don't necessarily come in pleasure. When you're asking for blessings, Watch for the pain because the thorns tend to reveal the best blessing. Let's face it, all of us grow better through struggle than we ever do through pleasure. Watch for the thorn. Number two, blessings always put relationship over reward. When you care about relationships, that's when the blessings flow. And number three, give. Because when you give and become the channel of blessing, that's when God pours more blessing into you. The more you give, the more he pours. Jesus shows up in the life of Abram here. Because Abram is demonstrating what looks like Jesus. He is 
demonstrating the gospel. He is a type, if you will, of Jesus. And Jesus is showing through Abram in the story that he is your blesser. He is pursuing you because he wants to be in your presence. He is ready to meet your needs. He is accepting of whatever you offer him. And he's ready to intercede, to pour into blessing into your life. So my question is this. Do you want blessing? Or do you want to be a blessing? Because if you want God to bless you, go be a blessing. The ushers are going to come forward right now and collect your offering. I want to pray over that as they come. And I just want to say this word as they come up and start to do this. Offering here is not an obligation. It's a calling. And it's an opportunity for God to flow through you. So if he has blessed you, set aside a portion and give to him. Go ahead, guys, you can do this. If you want to give, you are welcome to do so. You can give in the trays. You can give in the boxes in the back door. You can give online, however you so choose, however you're led, because you're not giving just a journey. You're giving to his kingdom. So bless the Lord as he moves to bless you. While they're passing that, let me just pray over the, over the gift. God, thank you so much for today, for the reminder that you are our blesser. Thank you that you care enough to pursue us, to cover our needs, to forgive our sins, to make us your own, to bring us into your presence. We want to give something back to honor you for that. So accept our praise, accept our gifts, use them for your kingdom, and continue to make us a blessing to others. Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Journey Christian Church Podcast. If you would like to support us as we pursue God and love people one at a time, please consider a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeycc.net slash giving.